morning, but it's going to be great. All right. Can everybody say, God is good? All the time. He's good all the time. Amen. Even right now. And so I want us to begin this morning by opening Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going on with uh, uh, with a series called Next. Say that with me, Next. Yeah. And, and next, next, what we're doing in this series, we're taking a dive into the book of Acts. If you haven't begun with us, that, uh, if you haven't listened to the other messages, it's okay. It's okay. You'll get something today. But you know what? We also have him on podcast. You could always pull him up on podcast and, uh, and also on uh, live stream. So you could always catch up or listen to it or watch it again. Um, and, and we're diving into the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a sequel to the gospel. So, yeah, so you, you, you read about Jesus, you talk about Jesus, and we all have, I'll say most of us, I hope, we all love Jesus, I guess. Uh, and I hope after the service, if you don't love Jesus, you will love Jesus after this, by, by the end of today. But, but anyway, uh, the, 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 uh, and that was the story that leads us up to Easter, what we celebrate and call Easter. You know, the, uh, the Resurrection Sunday, if you want to be more correct. Now, the church did not stop there. The church actually started after the resurrection. And uh, have you ever, like, watched a, a, a movie? It's like a sequel, maybe Star Wars or something, and you're picking up on, like, movie number six, and and everybody's so into it, and you're like... I have no idea where they are so... You know what I mean? Because maybe you haven't gone in and seen the first one to actually make sense of everything else. Uh, that's the same way with, with, with sometimes I think our work as believers is that we, we've highlighted Jesus. We talk about Jesus, his works, and we want to be like Jesus, live like Jesus, be like Jesus. But, but, but then, um, how did it go after Jesus' resurrection? What was it for believers at that time? What was God's, how did they live out what Jesus was teaching? And I, and I, and I believe that sometimes there is a disconnect in the church overall because we sort of do the gospel and then we kind of forget that there was a lot, the acts is still going on. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Revisit and see what happened after the resurrection. What happened next? Because what happened next is phenomenal. And it's still happening today. And when we understand our plan and our place in it, it will change our lives. Can we stand together and just pray? I want to pray over the word this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you in liberty, worshiping you in freedom, and that God, you have loved us with an everlasting love that you have drawn us to yourself. We thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. We ask today as we open the Bible, as we read your word, as we proclaim your word, that God indeed you will accompany your word with signs and wonders. You will accompany your word with deliverance and healing and miracles. That God you will speak into our hearts that we will not be just hearers of the word, but we will be doers also. Help us today. Help our spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today, God. We welcome you. Our hearts are receptive to you, Lord. Help our minds to be alive, to connect with what you're talking to us. As the Scripture says, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We ask today, Lord, that you will give us those ears to hear what you're saying to us. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So today's subject, um, uh, lessons is going to be on, uh, the, the title is going to be called The Helper, The Helper. And uh, I want us to, uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to read a passage with you together. I love to read large portions. I will not have enough time to talk about everything. But how many love the Word of God? How many believe the books should be open? How many believe the books should be read? You know, so the whole idea is not we taking what we think and finding the scripture to support our thoughts. We want to open the word and the word talk to us and the word tell us, uh, be taught by the word. Amen. Can I get an amen? That's our intention. That's why we read a lot of scripture. You will never hear a message here that doesn't come from the Bible. We believe the word of the Lord is still relevant. It's always been relevant. When we walk away from it, 
It's only to our own detriment. But when we stick close to it, the word will remain sure. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will always stand. Things in our culture might change. Our culture may be more receptive to the word. There are things in the word that are hard to hear and to listen to, and the culture will always resist. It's not unique to us. That has always been, that will always be. But the word of God stays consistent. Trends, trends and, and, and we think, oh, well, we're 21st century. I could tell you that there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. Things that we think, oh, well, we should be an exception. We are progressive people. We live in the 21st century. I'll take you to the first book of the Bible, the first five chapters of the Bible, and you'll find some of the same things were happening nearly 5,000 years ago that are happening now. So, so that's an excuse when we think that it's our time, times are unique. They're not unique. People have been sinful. People are, uh, have been wanting to go against God's order. And God has been, that's why God sent us a savior to offer our way of redemption. Can I get an amen? That wasn't part of the message. It was just a bonus for free. Okay. <laughs> On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound of, from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. It's interesting that it says everyone, not some of them, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time where there were devoted Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, and the provinces of Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, I can't pronounce that one, both Jews and converts, oh, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in their own languages, in our own languages, about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying that they are just drunk. It's amazing to me. And you would go on with the story. I don't have time to read through it, uh, but you could do it on your own, at your own pleasure. Um, uh, but... Uh, the, the, the story will go on, and you know, some of them started re- calling them names, thinking that they are a bunch of crazy people, uh, drinking in the morning, who does that? And, and so, um, uh, and, and Peter stands up and says, hey guys, let's be real, it's nine o'clock. These people are not drunk. And Peter stands up and he starts talking to them and tells them what is going on. The next verse is kind of talk about Peter says, what you're seeing right here is something that was prophesied a long time ago. And he starts quoting the prophet Joel. When he prophesied, he says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That was the promise of God to the Old Testament prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men shall dream dreams. Old men shall see visions. I will pour out my spirit on on all people, people that are willing, people that are obedient to the God says, I will pour out his spirit upon people. And so Peter keeps going and tries to connect the dots to them, to try and explain to them what they are seeing here is, is something that had been foretold and is something that is in the very plan of God for mankind. He says, you remember Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he goes on. He says, that guy that you all persecuted, you all killed him. He says, that Jesus, on the third day, he rose again. So he's telling them, and we have been with him the last 40 days. He's been speaking to hundreds of people. And we are witnesses of that. And the people, as they listened to Peter, they thought, we ought to do something. God's word was convicting them. They were feeling like, oh boy, we need, 
you know, we, we really read it wrong. We really didn't understand what was going on. And so they say, Peter, you're telling us all this stuff. What are we to do? Peter says, here's what you got to do. He says, you ought to repent. Repent from this perverse generation. You ought to be baptized and the Lord will fill you with the Holy Spirit. It says, repent and be baptized and you'll be received the gift of the Holy Spirit. What you're seeing these people do, they've already repented of their sin. They've been baptized and now they're receiving the fullness of God, what God, what God has for them. If you remember, we read a couple of weeks ago, Acts chapter 1. Jesus, before he was raised up to heaven, in one verse, he told his disciples to not leave Jerusalem. He says, you stay in Jerusalem, wait till you see the promise of the Father. He says, and, 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 and so in verse 8, he says, and, and you shall receive power when that happens. Jesus says, you know, remember John, John came in baptizing people in water, but you will receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he says, when you receive that, verse 8 says, you will receive power. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be effective witnesses for me in this place that you live and you'll be able to tell people about Jesus unashamed, unafraid, and the message will spread all over the world. So wait in Jerusalem until you receive that promise. Now this is the day came. That's what I said, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. Notice, it is very interesting to me that people are so are watching this in amazement. There was a lot of commotion that it drew a lot of attention uh, for people to come and watch this. And people are talking and saying, wow, how can a Sudanese man be speaking German? Nobody ever told him that. And we hear them doing great things of God. You know, and they, and they, and they, they are amazed at what God's doing. But right in the middle of it all, some people saying, bunch of crazy, a bunch of drunk people. You know what that tells me? That people are people. You could be having the greatest thing going on in your life, but you will still get critics that will always discredit what's going on. The problem is we fashion our lives after people that will criticize. We have so many doubts. We have so many fears. We don't do anything because we want to please people that will be critical of us after all. God is doing a phenomenal things, and it's on open display. Everybody can see it, and some people still criticize it. It's a bunch of crazy people. Leave him alone. So you think that people are critical of Christians these days, and you think that things are worse than they ever have been. I don't believe so. I think things are actually better than they used to be. Are we going to respond only to the critics, are we going to believe the word of God that says that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit? Are we going to believe the word of God that says that in the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain? Are we going to believe that we know that the spirit of God will move, but where sin abounds, grace abounds even more? Are we all believe the word of the Lord that in a point of weakness, God's strength is perfected? We can't just not look at life, respond to our lives based upon what the critics say. If the Peter and all the believers that had received this amazing gift from God, the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, it had listened to those people in verse 13 that say, oh, and said, okay, well, we'll, we'll change things. We'll kind of make it so that those guys can be happy. You think we would have seen the things those guys did? No. He stood up strong. And he was able to speak the word of God. And the Bible says that that day 3,000 people repented and they were added to the church. And he will preach again for several. And that week alone, there were thousands of people that were being converted to Christianity. And Christianity will explode in those days to the point that it reached the whole world. God, it was all in God's divine plan. The promise was the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity. We talk about Jesus, we talk about the Lord, but that we cannot do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not just the power, He Himself is here right now. 
When we get saved, we receive and we repent of our sins and we, and we turn towards God that we can receive the same gift. And we do have the gift and, 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 and it is that, it is His Spirit that helps us. The Bible says it's not by mind, it is not by power, but by, by, by my Spirit. But we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. But the Holy Spirit is talked in the Bible. Jesus is telling his disciples, when I leave, because he was foretelling them that he will leave. And you're not always going to see me the way you see me like this. But I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, in fact, you're going to be better off when I leave. Because he, and I'm going to send you a helper. He's not there to make things weird, to make things awkward, to make things... It's like some, some Christians treat the Holy Spirit as that uncle that, you know, them family, you know, they got to come home for Thanksgiving, but uh, it shows up. Yeah, you know, they're family, but we don't really want them there. And, and they'll say the awkward things, and uh, if he shows up at school, it's like, oh, are you related to that guy? You're kind of embarrassed about him. God's not about embarrassing us. God's about helping us. God is about strengthening us. God knows what our deficiencies are, and he recognizes that, and he says, you need help. You can't do it on your own, and I am going to send you a helper who will be with you everywhere you go. You could be in the middle of a dark situation. You have no answer. But because you have the Spirit of God in you, He can speak to you and quiet storms inside of your heart. So I wanted to give, you know, I could speak. This could be a whole series in it by itself. But I want to give you three things just to help us talk a little bit of three ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. The three areas that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Um, um, there are many, uh, trust me. But I want to just kind of zero in about three. The first one here is the area of confidence. Say that with me, confidence. We know this even in the world. They say people that are confident, and talk about self-confidence, self-aware. Um, uh, they're not looking for others to validate their identity. They tend to do better in whatever they do, whether they are a student or working in any industry, because you know what your role is and you do it well. If you have confidence, it'll take you better than someone that's timid, someone that's intimidated, someone that looks down on themselves. Don't we know that's true? So confident, and that's the one area, one of the areas that the Holy Spirit helps us in. Okay, now, let's talk about Peter, the guy that speaks to the crowd. Remember when Jesus was crucified? And they were all disoriented, they could not believe it, that he actually died. You know, they thought maybe he'll pull a number, even though he told them, but you know, when it's happening at the moment, I mean, you know the truth, you know what the right thing is, but when you're on fire, sometimes you're like, you forget all objectivity. How many are that human in this place? And so the disciples were like that. And when Jesus was crucified... Peter finds himself in a bad situation because they was really after their blood and they thought they're going to kill the disciples. And Peter gets called out by a lady saying, hey, we think you're one of those people. You know, remember the story. And, and Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus. And he'd do it not just once, he'd do it three times. He was so afraid to be identified with Jesus at point because he was afraid for his life. The same guy, after the Pentecost experience, is the guy that when people start ridiculing them, a crowd of people, not just a handful of people at a campfire, now it's a crowd of people, and he stands up and he says, hey, 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 guys, you got this wrong. And he speaks a message that is so strong. He doesn't mince words. He tells them, you guys killed Jesus. He, he becomes, what happened? The verse one that we read when the Holy Spirit, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He gives you confidence that you didn't have before. Because you, why, why so much confidence? Because you know who's in you. You know whose team you're on. It validates something inside of you that you become unshaken. Through adversity, you're strong. Why? Because you know who you are. Because the Spirit gives us power. He gives us confidence. Now, confidence in self is confidence in God. 
that assurance, he says, that I will be with you, you begin to know that so strongly that no matter what happens in your life, okay, you know God's with you. And that can keep you calm even when you don't understand what's going on. You know, I don't get it. I don't understand. I can fully explain it, but I know this. I know I got the Lord. I know I can feel his presence. I know he's with me. He promised he would never leave me. And I can feel and I know that. In Joshua 1.9, I have this up there, but I have it in the wrong order. It, is, it talks to Joshua. I'm going to the Old Testament. Uh, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And you see throughout the scripture, I, in fact, if you go in and Google on your, oh, not Google, but you can go on your Bible uh, app and try to look, search for the word be bold or be courageous, you will find there are so many times, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament of the Lord, he says, I'm commanding you to be bold. I'm commanding you to not be fearful. I'm commanding you to be courageous. Because why? Because I will be with you wherever you go. That's the basis of our courage. That's the basis of our confidence is the assurance of the Lord's presence in our lives. And so then, going back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which I quoted earlier, when Jesus is telling, he's telling the disciples of what is to come less and what to expect when the Holy Spirit comes. He says, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the man that was afraid is the one speaking to the crowd. The man that could not be identified with Jesus, after they received the power of the Holy Spirit, he changes he changed Peter. That experience changed Peter. That experience changes you and I. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. You see, those believers had to exercise faith. It didn't just, God doesn't force you to do anything. Jesus pleaded with them, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. You wait until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait until you receive the promise. Because it took time. Do you think they had to wait? I believe some probably left. Because it says there was 120 of them in that upper room. When Jesus was talking to them, oftentimes he'll talk to a crowd as many as 500 people after the resurrection. So there weren't 500 people in that room. So some did leave. Point I'm trying to make is that there is a part that depends on us. That says, am I going to wait? Am I going to seek him? Am I going to wait until I receive what God has for me? He says, we will seek him. We will find him. When we seek him with all of our hearts. So that's one help that the Holy Spirit gives us. And the area of help that he gives us in, the most important part of it, is the help and the boldness to become witnesses for Jesus. Those are people that will never stand up for Jesus. Even if the Lord is being radical. And I'm saying you go look for fights. That's not what God called us to do. But at least be vocal when you know it's wrong. Be able to stand up for Jesus. When people are wrong, you can correct and say, no, 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 you got it wrong. That's what Peter said to these guys. He says, you guys got it all wrong. Let me tell you the truth. Some people will have their Christianity under the table, even when Christianity is being diminished and stuff, and thinking, oh, uh, there's nothing as shame, uh, not shameful, but as wrong as someone telling, oh, I never knew you are a Christian. I've known you all this time. Look again. Because Jesus takes us as we are. He accepts us as we are. But he doesn't leave us as we are. When he comes to us, when, he, he, when we come to him, he accepts us. No matter who you are, what you've done. But he does not leave us as we are. He changes us. And when we let him work in us, he changes us. And that's, we see a very clear picture on a very short period of time. We're not talking months and months or years and years. This is a matter of days here. When Peter was, there was denied Jesus. <laughs> that he even knew Jesus. Did not even want to identify with him. And when he received the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, he's the guy that's speaking to crowds. Think about that. That's pretty remarkable. And the power of God is still alive today. You might be in a situation even right now. 
And if you allow the Holy Spirit to come in your life, if you sincerely ask the Lord to receive the gift that he promised for everyone, I love how the book of Acts says that it was every one of them in the room. In other words, God shows no partiality. He shows no discrimination whosoever will. God is faithful. You will be able to become a bold witness for Christ. But it will also help you in your personal life. It will help you in your career. It will help you when you raise your kids. It will help you in every way. There is nothing as good as having that in your life. Because as you go through, everyone will go through trials and different hardships. That is a given because of where we live. But you will live it differently. You'll have this boldness, this confidence in you. No matter what goes on, I know whom I'm with. I know who's with me. I know who's watching over my kids. I know who's watching over me when I go to that job interview. It will help you with your life because you don't have to compare with people because I know God has one portion for you. There's another portion for I don't want what God has for you. I want God, what God has for me. That's what we want. It gets rid of all the competition and the comparison. It will give you such calmness and accepting where you are and continue to pursue God and he will bless you everywhere you go. I remember uh, moving here as a young man uh, from Kenya, and um, you know, and, and I'm coming to a new country, a new, you know, it's like to this day one of the first things when I meet people the first time they ask me where are you from, and I know exactly what they mean by that. But so it's pretty obvious you're from a different place, you're like because they hear your accent they, and all that, and so and I, and I and I came in and I'm looking for a job that's in in the customer service area because that's what I did. And I remember even not getting a job once. And I knew that person was because he was being like a banker over the phone. And the person that interviewed me, I knew they wondered if the customers are going to be able to understand me. And I recognize that. You know, it does, you don't have to be prejudiced to say that. You know, sometimes people get excited. It's like, hey. And I say, hey, listen, uh, does, do you think that perhaps your concern, your customers might have a hard time understanding my foreign accent? And you know, you're not supposed to say Oh, geez, you know, so I realized I made that person uncomfortable a little bit. But you know what? When you have the Lord, you are bold to actually talk. Let's, talk to, let's look at the elephant in the room here. Let's not pretend that, oh, no, you don't have an accent. No, I do. I was born in Nairobi. You know what I mean? So, but, 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 but that did not limit me in seeing what, God, what I knew God had for me. I didn't have to settle. And I knew sometimes I had to start small to just get your foot in the door. And you know, I remember the first two years I'd been promoted six times. Not that I was better, no, because the Lord had given me confidence and I knew what I was capable of and I knew what I could do. And so I remember telling someone, well, you'll regret if you don't hire me. I tell you, give me a shot. And I was a young kid. Well, not very young. I thought I was really grown up, but I was only like 22 But, but the Holy Spirit's power will do some things inside of you that will give you confidence that goes beyond anything. Uh, the first of all, it comes so that we can be witnesses, but that nonetheless benefits us because it helps us become the fullness of who we were called to be anywhere we go. Whether you're a professor, a doctor, a scientist, a janitor, it doesn't matter where you go. God can make, can bless the work of your hands when you're sure about who you are. You don't have to wait for people to validate you and to say, hey, don't let people define you. God's already defined you. And that's what the Holy Spirit says and does in our lives. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he breaks prejudice out of us. He breaks every wall of prejudice. Um, um, it's very interesting. And then I read all this, some, some of the, some of the, uh, people listed there. It lists all these countries. You know, it starts at the, in verse 5, it says that there, were, there was in those days um, uh, devout Jews from every nation under the sun. So it's giving us a preface as to, hey, every nation was represented that day. God designed it so that people would be there from representative of every nation. 
That was an existing nation. And then he goes on and starts listing the different places. And you realize all those countries. He went from Africa, the Middle East, Asia, Europe. And you had 17 different nationalities that were represented on, 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 on organized governments that were represented there that day. What a beautiful scene. But because if, you, if you're a student of history, you'll realize that a lot of these people, their nationalities hated each other. Some of them still hate each other now. Jews and Arabs. They were right there. I want to say, oh no, I'm not prejudiced. We all are biased to some degree. It might not be racial. Maybe you are political prejudice. You never hear the other side at all. Oh, church gets quiet because you know I'm speaking the truth. (laughs) But we all have that in us. And it's passed on by many different reasons. But the Holy Spirit breaks that. Because the Holy Spirit brings people together. Because there's something about that spirit in me and the spirit in you. That we might be so different, brought up in such different ways. And we see life so differently. But we have the same spirit. And that spirit, we recognize it. I've been to places where I know nobody. And I'll pick out a believer. We'll start talking and we'll know that we are brothers in the Lord. And before you know it, you realize you're both believers because you're drawn to the same spirit. In John chapter 17, I won't read the whole prayer, but I just want to pick a passage of prayer because this is Jesus' prayer to the disciples. And not just the disciples there, it was a prayer for the disciples now. It was a prayer for you and me right here. Because he was praying to the Lord before, he, before his crucifixion. He was praying for the church. And he was praying... For, for the disciples there and the work that they would do and the generation of believers that would come after them. And the overwhelming point of his prayer had to do with the thing called unity. Had to do with, the, you know, he says, Lord, I pray just uh, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I and me, uh, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now listen to this. Our witness is hindered by disunity. But unity enhances our influence to the world. There's a problem going on of disunity in this country. It's divided. A lot of it has to do with political Division. But then all the different sub-things that come, like race and this and that, and they'll add one. And, and politicians sometimes have their own agendas as well. And the media has their own agenda. But here's the thing. Most people are looking for the sweet spot that says, hey, why can't, be, why can't we all love each other? Because we are all one country. Because most people, most reasonable people, in spite of their philosophy, their ideology are looking for that. Now, how we go to that might be a different story, but most of them are looking for that. And they can't quite find it because you cannot legislate the heart. You can change statutes and laws. You can change all that. But out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, where the heart is, that's, that's where the issues of life come. The Bible says, God, your heart above all things because that's where... That's out of it runs the issues of life. And there's only one solution. Let me tell you this if you've never had it before. There's only one answer. And that answer is the church. It's the only mechanism that can actually bring people together, not just to agree on an intellectual level, but to actually be together in one heart level. No amount of, uh, we can help, and there are a lot of things we can do. But even if you look at history, they don't highlight that. But every time we've seen through history where there's been a change that actually shifts, there's been someone that is a believer, that's been instrumental to the shift of the changes that have been positive. Martin Luther King, William Wilberforce, you start naming the names, you'll find that those people were driven by the call of God in their lives, not just philosophy. 
The sad thing is, right now throughout all America, there are many, many congregations that are the most, right now, they might be worked together with people because you have to. Go to school with all people that you have to. But church, you get a choice. And there's a statement, I don't know how accurate it is, but I've heard it. They say one of the most segregated times in America is on Sunday morning. Wow. And then we're looking for Washington or Lincoln or whatever capital to make the change. And the law says, no, 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 no. The change is in my people. Because it's when they see this, the world, when they see this, because you don't have to force it. It's just being obedient to the Lord and doing his word and seeking the Lord in all honesty. We have to, don't have to deny that. Oh, well, God does it. God is colorblind. No, he's not colorblind. God created the colors. He says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. There's something of a witness that gets missed. And what was beautiful and attracted all these people in Jerusalem, they says, hey, these guys are Galileans. And we are seeing, hearing them speak our own language. They've come down to us and they're becoming like us. And we're hearing them praising God, speaking great things about God in our own language. And God drew people. And so that very first Pentecost, that very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God bring unity of the world in spirit. One of the most phenomenal experiences, one then the other, well, let me read one verse, and then I'll, I'll say this in Ephesians 4, 4 says, there is only one body, one spirit, just as we were called into one hope, when you were called. Unity, unity, unity. Now, one of the most phenomenal stories in the church, in fact, it doesn't get highlighted many times when you read history, and a lot of people are unaware of this, is the revival that ha- took place uh, at the time of the uh, 20th century, the Azusa State Revival, which was a, it was a very amazing, amazing move of God that shifted the church. And its impact is still going on now. In fact, we in this church are part of the work of God that began there. There was a minister called William Joseph Seymour. That was, yeah, there he is. Born in 1870 in Louisiana. You cross-reference that with history. And see what the condition of the America was as it relates to racial relations at that time. Okay? And he would start a prayer group out in California, in Los Angeles, California, what began as a prayer group. And they were driven by this doctrine, and they were kind of taking that Acts chapter 2, uh, where Peter responds to people and says, when they ask, what, you are, what are we to do? Uh, uh, in order to see God's promises in our lives. He said, well, first of all, we got to repent. we got to come to Jesus and repent. And we were talking about sanctification. But God's calling us to a holy life. We repent and move out of the world. And when we are humble before the Lord, he will give us the promise. He will give us the Holy Spirit. And what happened in that prayer meeting, he was just holding a prayer meeting that started growing, and the Holy Spirit will visit them. And people will begin to pray in tongues. They had not seen or heard of it for a long time. And it started growing and growing and growing. And people were coming from all the world. That's called the Pentecostal. If you've ever heard of the Pentecostal movement, they used the term Pentecostal to kind of because what was happening, they were witnessing what was happening like in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, what we read today. So a lot of what they were seeing that day and uh, happened in those days were very similar to that. One unique thing that happened with that Azusa Steel revival, in the worst times of racial relations, Jim Crow law times, is that in those congregations, there was no black, there was no white, there was no Hispanic, there was no nothing. It was all, when the world was so horrible, 
when it came to racial relations at that time. But in that time where the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord was moving, there was no prejudice. People didn't even look that. They knew that God was there. And they, it would become a church, and they would send missionaries. They'll send black missionaries, white missionaries, women missionaries in the States, all over the world. And the movement will go on. And, the, and then they will establish a denomination which we now call the Church of Christ. And about 10 years down the road after that, some different uh, ministers would organize another denomination. Is what we call now the Church of God. And so slowly that actually started splitting. Because the ones that headed the Church of God were white and the ones that headed the, uh, um, uh, the Church of Christ were black. And so you had two Spirit-filled denominations, and over time, the Church of God was the white denomination for spirit-filled people, and the, and the Church of God was for black people, and the, church, and the Assembly of God was for white people. We interfered because we thought we were sad, and the pressures of the world. The pressures of the ones, remember those in verse 13 that says, oh, the critics. And that's why we get Church of Christ and Assembly of God. And the spiritual movement will change Christian history because people realize that God had never kept silent. That those promises of the early church, the promise of the Holy Spirit was not a something of a long time ago. That God was very much so desiring for that to happen in their time. And they believe in that prophecy that followed there, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And folks, I want to tell you this, that God hasn't stopped moving. He's looking for people that will be hungry, people that will wait in Jerusalem until this promise comes, people that will still wait and believe that God is the answer, Christ is the answer. We are not looking for the world for solutions. If we pray and seek the Lord, he will come and he will rain his righteousness upon us. He's given us power, given us confidence. He teaches us. And I love this congregation. Oh, I'm proud of our church. I know maybe that's a sin to be, but it's, it's awesome because I get, you know what? I, I, it tells me I know that the Spirit of God is here because I see brothers that have different backgrounds, different profession doctor and not so doctor <laughs> my political correctness here i don't want you to say well, well you thought my profession is the worst yeah and i'm not gonna hold no but but you don't have those barriers even not just racial but you don't have those barriers but i tell you when we allow the spirit of god to move in the church that's the kind of unity that we will see across the world. And I'm praying and I'm contending and I'm believing that we can be those guys like William Seymour. There's just a handful of people believing God and say, God, you promise. And we're going to keep praying until we see it happen. And God will respond in a really beat up building in, in Los Angeles, California. And it will grow into this great revival that would impact the entire world when the world was burning. God was still doing something beautiful. You feel like our world is burning. God's still doing something beautiful. And I want to be a part of the beautiful things that God is doing through his Holy Spirit. My last one is God. The, boy, okay. My last one is the Holy Spirit helps us to pray better. So he gives us confidence. He breaks prejudice. The third one, he helps us. Pray better. Say pray better. You know what's funny? I found this out. That most people, believers and unbelievers alike, believe that prayer can make a difference. In fact, one of the most effective witnesses is prayer. Sometimes you don't even have to, pr to preach at people. You just got to ask them, can I pray for you? I prayed with Muslims. I prayed with people of no faith. At all. I pray with agnostics because in the East, I say, can I pray for you? And I don't just say that as a cliche. I'll give them, like, I mean like right now. And they weren't expecting that, but you pray and it's touching to them. And you'll have even agnostic. 
crying. Why are they crying? Because when you are a spirit-filled person and you pray, the presence of God comes there. They don't know how to, um, uh, they don't know how to translate that. They're feeling something that's different. Uh, and it, you know it's the Holy Spirit, but they don't because they don't have the teaching. They don't have the understanding for it. But you know the Lord's touching their hearts. We all believe that prayer can make a difference. In fact, we believe that prayer will make all the difference. But for whatever reason or not, prayer is hard sometimes. We know it's what we need. We know it will make the difference we need. But we don't pray. The Bible is admonishing us. It says pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. The prayer of faith. We know all these things and we believe it. But somehow prayer is hard. And we're not different because the disciples even recognize this when they would pray with Jesus because Jesus prayed all the time. And then there was something different about his prayer life and that they were not up to that standard. And they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. Because they recognize, I want to pray better. I want to pray like you, Jesus. Things are happening for you. And there's a way you pray that we don't even pray. And I tell you that very, very shortly, even before, before Jesus would be crucified, he'd go to a prayer meeting with three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he would go in and he would be praying a storm. And he'll turn around and they're snoozing. He says, guys, can't really keep up and pray here? And these are guys that had been with Jesus. These are people that have walked with Jesus. And they're dozing off during prayer. And Jesus says, come on. We just started here. And it's too boring for you. But that would change after the day of Pentecost. Because he says, if you read, that they were devoted continually in prayer. The guys that could not keep their eyes up during prayer, they were praying every day. They said they met in the temple, they met in houses. They got done praying at church, they went home, hey, let's go eat dinner at your house. After that, they'll be praying. They became so hungry for prayer because the Spirit, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their lives, prayer became easier because God helped them how to pray. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in fact, there are many verses there you can read yourself, but I want to pick on verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He recognizes the weakness we have as it pertains to prayer. For we do not know what to and ought to pray. We don't know what to and how to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through groanings. That cannot be added. He himself helps us to pray. So when he came upon them on the day of Pentecost, he says every one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to praise God in their prayers. They don't even know what they're talking about. They got filled with the Holy Spirit and they're declaring great things about God. They're speaking in other languages, languages they've never heard before. They don't even know what they're talking about. But there are people that knew what they were talking about. They're like, that's kind of strange. Nate, you're speaking Kikuyu, there's a Kenyan tribal language. And you're speaking clearly and saying, and you're praising God. (laughs) And they were like, wow, this is amazing. Why does the Lord give us that? Why is it necessary that the Lord would give us a prayer language? Number one, which is not a point I have there, I'm just... There is a reality of the limitations of our language. In fact, the language we speak is a very relatively young language. Take a lot of things from Latin. And it's not all that there is. Two languages. We know that. Like you love McDonald's. I'm loving it, all right? And then you love your wife. You know it's not right. You know what I'm talking about? So just from that very fundamental level, we can at least agree that there is limitation to our language. Secondly, there is limitation to our capacity. 
We have a limited capacity in understanding, in knowledge as it is, capacity in foreseeing the future. We have no, nothing of that. We have none of that. And sometimes you can even pray when you know what the will of, thinking you know what the will of God is, but the law says he reveals his will in part. Because why? We don't have the capacity to handle his full will. He said, God, give me your full will. Let me understand if you will. You'll be fried. You'd be a fried chicken right now because you, you cannot handle it. So that's why he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought to. And so what he does, he gives us a heavenly language that comes, that derives from the Spirit. So we're praying out of, our, out of the abundance of the heart. So our spirit is communicating to God in ways that our mind has no capacity for. You can't tell a fourth grader, you can't have him take a thesis and bisect it from a rocket scientist that just wrote their final dissertation, right? You don't expect that from them, right? We have our own limitations, and God realizes that. That's why he sent us the helper to help us in our prayer so that we can go beyond what we are naturally capable of doing. I remember when I had an experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some people get all weird about speaking in tongues. Some people will never teach about it because they're embarrassed by it. Because people will think you're kooky, you're crazy, you're uh, radical. Well, and and we we, kind of change everything we do based on that chapter 13 people that thought they were crazy. Then we change our lives. We don't even, some, some denomination will not even look at it. Say, not even say that I don't understand this very much, but I'm going to investigate what the scripture teaches. I'm open to that at least. We'll just like not look at, let's not talk about that. But yet God is the instrument that God uses to help us be able to pray effective prayers. So I remember I received a teaching on it, and it was a guy, his name was Pastor Paul Gishori, and it was helping my sister, my friend, it was just some crazy revival, I guess, where young people are getting saved, friends are getting saved. He taught us about this, and in my heart, I really wanted to receive it. And I'm praying, I'm asking God, you know, I, I really, you know, and he talks about how you need to repent. I'm like, I'm repenting about everything I can think of. And, uh, and he's praying for me, I'm getting nothing. And I remember he, he, the pastor was praying for us, and uh, he prayed my sister and a couple other girls and another guy that was he, was, he was teaching us. We're doing like a little class. And they will start praying and he just barely lays his hands on them. And they start praying out of us and they are crying. You know, God's doing something surreal. I'm feeling it, but nothing for me. It's like nothing. I'm thinking, what in the world? What sin have I committed that's so bad that, that I need to repent of. And I'm examining my life, and I'm probably doing some analysis too, and I'm repenting of when I was too, Lord. You know, I, I'm digging through history here. Some serious reason thinking, why am I cast to not get this? Because I wanted it. Some people don't even want it. I want it. I'm praying for it, and it's happening. Nothing's happening. And it went on for months. And I'm, I'm looking through my life. I'm thinking, geez, you know, I'm going through my elementary schools. Well, some of the... Naughty things I did back then, and uh, I'm repenting of that too. You know, so I'm trying to do that. And I remember uh, getting prayed for, and some people maybe are in that place. But, uh, and I remember <laughs> the same pastor was praying for me because there was my prayer request now for, for a long time. But, you know, God honors that desire to seek. And, and, it, and it was one of those, it was so simple, I didn't even believe it is that I was overthinking it. Because I'm a, every, every scale of personality profile that I ever do, they say I'm analytical. I think about all the pros and cons so long, and I dig it. And the Lord had already filled my life, and what I was hearing, I was like, hey, that can't be right. I'm supposed to say that? I'm having rest. And the day I knew, and I believed it, and I... Followed by faith, my life changed and my prayer life changed completely. I started praying differently from that day on. I started, God would show me things that are, are to come. God would show me stuff even in dreams. 
And sometimes we all dream crazy dreams like everybody else. But there are some dreams I will know the Lord's trying to get my attention on something. And he would, it's strangers. My wife will tell you many different times. So it's like, what? That dream, the Lord is showing me something. I'm not saying we go listen to every dream, but I know sometimes it's like God, God's wanting to get my attention. I need to hear and listen. And things will actually happen. And I'm thinking, wow. And it all changed the day I received that baptism of the Holy Spirit. It changed the way I, when I, I learned how to pray. I, 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 I was never planning to be a minister. A pastor that has never, never crossed my mind. But he gave me clarity as to what direction God was laying out for my life. He helps us pray better. We know prayer is good, but we, we want to pray better. Like the apostle said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I would go on, but I know we don't have a lot of time. How many received something from the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I want us to stand. I'm going to get the communion team. Just going to keep moving here. Uh, get, get your elements with you quick. Hold your cup, your bread. We're going to take the elements together. I am going to pray. But if the Lord, uh, and specifically as, it, as we're done, if you could come and help me, worship team, get, get going. I don't... As those people are moving and getting ready, let's pray here. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you for your presence, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you are not a respect of persons. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your spirit to us to help us. Help us to be bold, to be confident, to find our identity in Jesus Christ, sons and daughters. You put in us your spirit. Gives us that assurance that we respond to you and call you Abba Father. Not just our God, but our Father. Thank you, Lord. That by your spirit, Lord, you make us one and you make us an example. And I thank you for Lincoln City Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I believe that you're using us to be that example to this city. To see when people of different kinds can love God and just be in simple, authentic faith that we can see something beautiful. Help us to reach our city with the love of Jesus Christ that breaks all walls, all walls of division, racially, socioeconomic divisions, even political divisions, that we may be one. Holy Spirit, moving us. Come on, open your arms to us, Lord. I feel like the Lord is trying to do something right now. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. Pray with me. If you're filled with the Spirit, just pray in the Spirit right now. Lord, we don't want to do anything in our own wisdom. We don't do anything in our own understanding. We know God. That you're here. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit. But we pray that the same boldness to be witnesses. That we can stand up for you. We can tell people about you. That we can be effective witnesses right here in Lincoln. Lancaster County at large God we pray. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. God I pray for those. That their prayer life. Has been. Less than desirable. <laughs> right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you release, come upon every heart that's desiring you, Lord. We know that you are gentle, Spirit. You never impose yourself on anyone. But those in their hearts right now as we are praying are saying, Lord, I want you more. I want your Spirit in my life. I ask right now that you honor those prayers right now. Release your presence, release your power, release your strength, Holy Spirit. We are open for you. We want you. As you moved in those days to different ones and different ones of experience, Lord, we ask that you move now. Move in this house, move in this city, move in this country, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. Come on, praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Touch our hearts, touch our lives. Spirit of God, move in this place, move in our lives. Let rivers of refreshing come to those, O God, that are in dry places. Oh, let the wells of life spring up, O living waters, living waters. Let rivers of life spring forth from our hearts, O God. Dry hearts be filled. Oh, with the living waters, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.